This is episode five of the Ukulele Review podcast, and uh, this week's a little bit different. Uh, we don't have Zach and Joel with us. Joel was busy trying to catch up on setups, and Zach had some recording. But we have a really exciting podcast today because we have our good friend Kimo Hussey in the house, and I'm gonna Hello. be able to pick his brain a little bit and uh, <laughs> get to know him a little bit better. We're gonna talk ukes. And have some fun and we're gonna get to try some really amazing uh new ukes that yeah that'll be the fun part yeah that are made by some of the best makers on our islands here so that'll be really cool so thank you so much Kimo, for for oh you know, it's my being pleasure part of this thanks for having and, me and sh- you know sharing some of your thoughts with us Kimo has uh a few albums out though well, he was just telling me he despises the studio <laughs> but they're great uh you know you have that that album eminent really yeah um a vibrant <clears throat> sound to it and it's just really upbeat and nice i think one of the best ukulele recordings ever made both of the uh uh the recordings that i have done were were done in favor of uh of the instrument, actually, that first one was with uh, uh, an all steel string um, tenor. Yeah, that was made by Leonard Young. Right. <clears throat> uh, and and at the time, I had I had recently gotten to meet uh, Leonard, and he was just really wonderful guy. Yeah, I, I remember him. And uh, <clears throat> his his favorite his favorite uke to make was a tenor with steel strings, mm-hmm. and. And this this ukulele fascinated me because I, I, I couldn't believe that, that there was all that sound, just just pure sound coming out of this out of this little thing. And um, it was <clears throat> the 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 sound was so powerful. Uh, the the treble uh, the treble on that uke was tough to control, <laughs> especially especially when that uke was amplified. Right. But just just getting to know Leonard and know about him, because uh, I, I, I spent a lot of time uh, getting to know uh, some luthiers uh, real well. Uh, and I think uh, that with all of those, especially those whose instruments I have played a lot like Leonard, I, I hear them. In their instruments. Oh, that's cool. Uh, in addition to that, I don't. <clears throat> I've I've never thought, ever, that there was such a thing as as the the best ukulele made or the best ukulele ever. Yeah. Uh, the The reason why the reason why I, I still think that, by the way, is that is that uh, a long time ago. Every single time I thought, okay, this is the ultimate ukulele. After I played it about a month or so, it's not as if I didn't like it anymore, but I, but I always wanted to know what else was out there. <laughs> You're like the original king of UAS. <laughs> <laughs> ab- ab- absolutely. In fact, 
uh, you know, relevant, uh, relevant to that at some point, um, I decided that I couldn't afford anymore to, uh, to embrace an attitude that says, okay, if there's anything that I think is good, I need to own it. I need to hoard it. Uh, a, I couldn't afford that. Uh, and B, it dawned on me that uh, if I if I bought an ukulele from any builder and I really liked that ukulele, and as a result of that I, I I kept it for a long time, that the builder who made it is getting better. <laughs> so so while I'm hanging on to that ukulele, that's it, just that ukulele. So I had a change in philosophy, and uh, the the change in philosophy was you. You know, sometimes when good things happen to you, you get really excited and and you want to like tell somebody else. Right. Because I uh, because I couldn't afford these ukuleles anymore. I I I I devised a plan, <laughs> and the plan was uh, that I would that I would go around and continue to meet uh, uh, good builders, good luthiers, uh, and actually buy their ukes. Uh, and so I, I bought their ukes, um, and if they were willing t- uh, to give me a small discount on the uke, what I would do is advertise the uke for them. Uh, and that's gotten to the point where uh, you know I just played it and showed it around to my friends, and then I started doing some uh, some of the sound sampling things on YouTube, uh, and that eventually got to the point where now. Uh, all of the concerts that I do are not about me, uh, and and they're not about the music that I do. They're about they're about the ukulele that I'm playing. And what I like to do is just is just alternate one builder at a time. Mm. If it's true, and I think it is, that <clears throat> there's no such thing as the ultimate uke. It means that every single uke has its own personality. And so what I try and do is to uh, to figure out, at least for me, uh, what that the, what the personality of that uke is and play to it. Oh. Uh, and I I learned from that uh, that it was a really valuable thing to do for the builders uh, because most builders I know don't play ukulele very well. Some don't play at all, but the one thing, uh, the one thing uh, that they all love to do, is to listen to their work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they've taken all the measurements, put together all the, uh, you know, the woods, and 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 made the best you they can, and all of that is very very different from having a person play. Uh, you know, the work that they did. Yeah. And so it's something that uh, uh, they really enjoy, and so it's turned into something uh, that sort of I enjoy as well. Yeah, and so as a result of that, I don't I don't own any ukes anymore. <laughs> you know, I just I just I every just time I see you have another. You brought over a Rollo today that looks amazing, mm. but I suppose yeah. that's gonna get played for a while and go off to another. That's uh, that's the idea. Uh, that uke I'm gonna take to. Uh, <clears throat> the National Music Museum in South Dakota 
uh, next week and and play it there because Dan Ryerson, uh, a very, very good builder who used to live here on Molokai about 13 years, moved to South Dakota to be closer to family. And uh, he emailed me one day and he said, Kimo just went to this National Music Museum and, and it was a great, great museum. And, you know, they have, uh, they have like a, all different sections of instruments. Mm -hmm. And they've got a very, very big display of stringed instruments. Uh, and they even have some ukulele there. Wow. I didn't think I would ever really want to go to South Dakota necessarily, but that sounds like a really cool place. Well, you know... Um, <clears throat> I guess uh, there's cool stuff everywhere. You know, you can't just automatically think of the cold weather and get as, scared away. As, as it turned out, South South Dakota, or Vermilion, South Dakota, where this uh, National Music Museum is, is if you look on the map, it's it's rather central, uh, you know, on the mainland. Uh. And so I'm thinking, <clears throat> uh, you know, for your... your it's probably uh, not bad weather right now. And um, that sounds really cool. You well, so, you know, the uh, the idea is just to is just is just is just to go to these places that have extreme weather, when the weather is extremely good and right, you know, right. not not extremely bad. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna take a listen to that you in a little bit. But getting back to that, I uh, you know what you were talking about about um, that there is no um, ultimate best ukulele. Uh, there's a number of great, great builders, and then um, from them, uh, with a combination of different styles that they make and different woods that they choose, you get these instruments and you just kind of let it um, tell you what it's going to do best. Um, That's correct. Like. That's, That's correct. Because yeah. every single time, every single time, if you just if you do nothing more than listen to the instrument, it'll it'll tell you. Yeah, and I think like one thing is when when people first get into the ukulele and they're really enthusiastic, um, a lot of them kind of go on this tone quest to find the one that's going to be everything for them, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, you know it, and I've been around long enough to know that it's not like that, you know. You find great instruments and they they have their own voice and um they excel in their own ways um but everyone is not gonna um be able to do everything better than you know every other ukulele they will excel in their own ways yeah. and they each have their own feel and voice but um you've had a number of really awesome instruments like uh, that i've seen you know in your possession at any given time mm -hmm. Um, one one of them is another, or one of the builders that I, I've seen you play quite a few times is another one that we're going to listen to later, Eric Devine. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, how did how did you end up meeting Eric and what what um, led up to that? I remember that real well on Maui. <clears throat> There's a, an ukulele contest there uh, that favors kids like elementary through high school kids. And that ukulele contest has been going on in excess of 20 years now. Uh, and I've, I've, I've been to that, oh, those 20 years, maybe about 
13 or 14 times to help them judge. At one of those, uh, Eric was there, uh, and he had a table, uh, and he was displaying some things, uh, <clears throat> a guitar uh, that he had made. I don't, I don't remember if there was an ukulele there and some other things that he was showing. So we struck up a conversation. Uh, and as a result of that, I got to know him better. Uh, I got to go visit him at his house uh, and, and played his ukuleles. And ever since, I've loved his work. Yeah. And one of the things I really love about uh, Eric and his work, other than the fact that he's very good, is that he's, <clears throat> I think he's fearless. He's, mm -hmm. not, af he's, he's not afraid to try new things. With like um, his building, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he has um, done things differently. I mean, he started more on. Well, I don't know how he started, but I remember he used to do more kasha, right? And he still does right. like, but it's like he's over the years developed his own his own style of kasha. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's it's way different. I mean, he uses the uh, the bridge truss system which the post comes down from, from the bottom of the bridge and then connects to the end block there to help stabilize that top to enable it to be thinner and lighter braced. Yeah. But it's still very voiced and has its own focus while being open and, and round and warm sounding. And um, every, every, every one of them that I've heard from him sounds great, but it, it goes back to like what you were saying that these builders grow. It's like this last... Um, redwood top we got from him I'm just like holy yeah. crap this is good you yeah. know and it's great to see these guys you know yeah. like my brother Noah it's like the Absolutely. stuff he's you know it's like it just keeps getting better and it, it makes you want to kind of um, keep getting them and I guess like you know the only way to really do that is to let the other ones go <laughs> it's one reason why I really love uh, what I do now. I don't own any ukuleles. I just like keep keep cycling through those. Uh, and probably the thing that, that, that really excites me about that is that the service is because of the service that's being uh, done that good builders do for ukulele, uh, for the ukulele public. Uh, because Yes, as far as like making it uh, a more serious instrument that people can appreciate on that level. For me, quality quality is the key. Right. Uh, for years, uh, as as you know, the Chinese ukes have dominated uh, the ukulele retail market uh, because the Chinese make so many of them. I visited the Crystal Factory uh, one year. And uh, that's a factory that makes, uh, at the time, made Kala, um, Anuinui, and, and, and some others. Anyway, anyway, uh, Charlie Chen, the owner, <clears throat> was telling me that every month he, just in that one factory, because there's several in China, makes between 24 and 30 thousand ukuleles every month for worldwide distribution what that <clears throat> what that means to me in the ukulele public is the market is so strong in ukulele 
and these Chinese ukes, are, they're wonderful ukuleles mm -hmm. for, what, for what people pay for them. They're great. Yeah. But that's all that people know. Right, right. Generally, people, people don't know about... And they're getting uh, to know. The Eric Divines, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's starting Even to the, change. Even the Chinese, the people in China are... Like that's <laughs> correct. In fact, I heard, uh, I don't know if it's true, that uh, one of the biggest markets for custom ukes now is it's China. True. It's true. Yeah. Noah's got a lot of custom orders from really? China, right? Yeah, and um, uh, you know we send a lot of high-end ukes over there. I mean, there is a lot of people over there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, one one of the things I like about uh, yeah, I, I like about the work that uh, you guys are doing uh, and the work uh, I love to do with builders. Um, is the, the ukulele market is so strong that still a lot of people will buy some ukes from custom builders and, and even even the, the big producers like uh, Kamaka and Koaloha and Kanila and on and on. But a lot of people will buy ukes just because they've heard that these are good ukes and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's so exciting for me uh, to get out and play high quality ukes yeah. uh, for people because because they crave the education and they love they love it when they can hear the difference in sound. Well, um, those ukes are all high quality, absolutely. But then it's like there's other people too because like exactly those companies are just so well known already, you know. Yeah. That if you play ukulele, you most likely know about them about them. But then you've kind of pioneered all these other individual you know one guy in his shop yeah paying attention to every little detail and the continuity that goes along with one person bending yeah. the sides and bracing it and you know taking it all the way to the end and putting their heart and soul into it there's something special definitely that happens Absolutely. with the custom instrument and and it happens everywhere i mean you know there's custom builders in china doing good work but a lot of the ones, like one of the guys that you first introduced me to when we were at the ukulele picnic was Jay Lichty. He's way on the, uh, you know, 6,000 miles away from us. But, um, you know, his ukes can play some good Hawaiian music as well. Yeah, they, <laughs> or any kind of music. He's a great sure builder. Can. They sure can. Is that, is that what you used on, on the last album that you recorded last year? Or did you use a number of different ones? So you I recorded... Used a, um, I used a, uh, for this... Uh, uh, second one that I did, uh, it was a tenor that Jay made. Was that one of his long neck ones that you, or yes. was, yeah. Yes. So it's one of my favorite Kimo's projects. Kimo's gone now. around to like some of the best builders and <clears throat> gotten him to build a uke more to the specs that he prefers. Kind of uh, expand on that for us, if you will. Sure. Um, and it's been all um, experimental. Uh, one of the local builders, his name is Manny Hallican, lives yeah. in Wyandotte. Mm -hmm. I was down at his house uh, one day and <clears throat> noticed this uke that was hanging on the wall. And all that thing was doing was collecting dust. So I pulled that thing down and started playing. Oh, Manny, this thing sounds great. Um, I'll buy it. And so I did. And <clears throat> it just took a couple days for me to realize that uh, what I, what I thought was a real unique sound was because the, sh the, 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 the tension, the strings, the tension of the strings are really high. Then I found out the reason for that 
was he had extended the scale of that Turner Youth up to 19 inches. How, how did he have the idea to, to or did he just do that for I have, fun of I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But it's just like Manny to try something just to do it. No, that's cool. Um, I mean, I know Kamaka has done that for a while now, but... Um. Yeah. Well, you know, um, what I liked about it, uh, the extended scale, uh, was having a little more horizontal room. Right. Especially down around the 8th to 10th fret. Yeah. Because I, I love playing chords down there. Yeah. And so... And so that's the reason why I liked it. But because of that, I had this other idea, which was to create more vertical spacing for fingering. Uh, Wider at the nut, you mean? Yeah. Uh, so I told Jay once, I, I forgot what dimension I decided to try, but he went, what? Yeah. <laughs> I said, come, come on, let's try it. And so he did, and I loved it. Uh, because more vertical spacing, just like more horizontal spacing, just gives your fingers more room to maneuver. And I think as a result of that, it reduces a lot of player-induced buzzing. Uh, it's from it's not, the way not when, hitting the When you're squinched, just, right. yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so... Uh, so you're able to play a little more clean with a little more room, horizontally and absolutely. vertically. Mm. And the first time Jay made... One of those 19-inch tenors. Uh, he sent me an email. I said, "You know, Kimo, the thing I like ab the most about this instrument is the sound." I nearly fell over because most of my friends were telling me that uh, you know when you extend uh, uh, the scale like that, you probably have to move the bridge. Um, and so I thought, well, okay, that's their responsibility, not mine. Mm -hmm. I just play them. <laughs> right, right, right. Let um, them figure it out. But as a result of that, uh, <clears throat> I got uh, Kerry Char uh, in Portland to mm -hmm. build one of these. And he liked it. And so he said, Kimo, uh, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, make another one, 19-inch tennis, but, but I want to make the body a little bit bigger uh, just to see what's going to happen. Well, so he, he completes this uke. You know, I should have brought it. Um, I meant to bring it today, but I forgot. Anyway, he oh, completes. Oh, you said you don't have any ukes. You lied. Huh? No. <laughs> I knew you had ukes. <laughs> but this uke, it's it. It turned out to be kind of a baritone-sized body, 19-inch scale. Oh, cool. And he had he had tenor strings, and he had it tuned to C6, like we normally tune mm. a uke. And and when the uke came, um. I played it and, and, and it sounded great. But but to me, uh, the uke the uke was stressed. Um, at that tuning. Yeah, yeah because I, th I thought it was a little bit tight. You know, like some years back Kamaka actually changed their baritone design to have a bigger body and longer scale. But if you look at their ones from uh, it might have been ten or fifteen years back when they did the change, but before that it was a it was slightly, I mean, it was bigger than the tenor, but it was slightly smaller than their baritone now, and it was a 19-inch scale. And that's um, that's originally, I remember when Benny Chong came to us and and wanted us to make him a uke. He, he wanted that scale because that's what he had fallen in, in love with for that. But tuned up, maybe you, maybe you just didn't have the right set of strings on it for that. Well, or, yeah. 
he had a set of uh, <clears throat> tenor strings. There are keyless strings, um, but the uke, I mean, um, I mean, it was stressed. So I downtuned it one full step to B flat six. Right. Perfect. One of the best ukes I've ever played, uh, and it was, uh, and it was because of that. And it was a sound that I was looking for. You know, there are a lot of people who uh, have been trying to uh, figure out a really workable compromise between a baritone uke and a tenor uke. And I think this uke that I have right now is it. Uh, why? But that compromise <clears throat> also like um, entails finding the right tuning for it. Or the right, that, you know, that's pitch. correct. That's correct, and Jay Lichty, uh, Jay Lichty was the guy who said, because we're talking about this one day, and he said, you know, um, maybe maybe um, what we ought to do is take a look at different tunings. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's not a different tuning, it's just different right, pitches. Right, right, yeah. And it just dawned on me that the, the only reason why I didn't do that was convention. Right. <laughs> You know, if it's a it's tenor, like, why are we holding on to C6? these conventions yeah. when you know? I mean, yeah. this might not be the optimal pitch for this instrument. <clears throat> but this ukulele, I'll 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 bring it sometime. It's you know you can't get more in the middle than A or B flat be, tuning wise between a baritone and a tenor. But one of the things about the baritone, especially on uh, on um, on the lower frets, um, when you're playing on a baritone, it will be like a, a C. Uh, it looks like an F on a tenor U. But when you do that, a lot of times on a baritone, it's in such a low register for the ukulele that the sound is, is a little, to me, it's a little bit muddy. Uh -huh. On the tenor uke, I've always, I've always preferred low G uh, ukes because, because I, I, I really like a good solid bass uh, in the ukuleles I play because I think it provides the instrument more foundation especially when you play solo yeah so what this lower tuning does is to is to mellow the tenor sound a little bit mm -hmm. it's higher than the baritone tuning so it completely removes any muddiness because you know on some baritone ukes as as the instrument matures it gets more mellow, and some of them get so mellow that it gets to the point where you know the sound is and it's not very well defined, it's muddy true. sound. And that's um, you know one of the reasons why Pono had made that larger the baritone yeah. new because it's like if you're going to go down to that baritone tuning and still try to have that clarity and more of the vibrant qualities. That's a good you of a of a tenor. You you really have to go even longer in scale and bigger in body than what the conventional yeah. baritone is otherwise it yeah it, it can get muddy especially when doing like chord melody type stuff that uh, you right. know with fast drumming and stuff right. like that if you're just gonna do some really chill finger picking you know slap <clears throat> key style stuff yeah. and that's you know there are things that work on the standard baritone and baritone yeah. tuning but i know what you mean and what one of the things i like about uh, a 19 inch scale uh is that it permits you more room on the fretboard, but but not not so much room that you have a problem stretching. Yeah, uh, like know, with the Nui and with instruments that get bigger. Like we have a um, 
uh, one from Louis Mesquita, who builds up in Canada here today. I can show you later that um, he built a baritone, but it's like 22 and a half inch scale and the body's bigger. It's more along the lines of like what the Pono Nui is. Mm -hmm. And um, it sounds amazing as in the regular DGBE, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you just have to factor in, you know, that stretch you do from the second fret to the seventh fret is going to be pretty tough you know that's right so that's right. it's it's like a give and take with that sort of yeah. thing yeah and if <clears throat> but yeah know, the 19 inch scale i guess would kind of sit right in the pocket for you to where you can well, make those stretches you it's need beautiful. And, and it, it, it it's 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 such a great great compromise and so <clears throat> that just just the scale more horizontal room more vertical room uh, and I love, I love a radius on, on a fretboard. So all of these things put together makes, makes the, the Kimo neck. Hasi yeah. oh, models. Boy. And who have you gotten to do this? So, because I think even Kennard did one, right? Or Yeah, Kennard <laughs> Kennard does 19 inch uh, uh, tenors now and all of his ukes are, uh, you know, are radiused. But it's one of the things that I enjoy about the educational process of sharing ukulele uh, with people. And I love doing it through builders because <clears throat> players, players make a wonderful contribution uh, to ukulele. But a lot, of, a lot of what they do and the way they play is so above uh, what I would call the average ukulele player. That, it's, that it can be tough for the average ukulele player to learn something uh, from a person who plays real well. Uh, and so what I do in concerts that I do is I, is I um, um, adopt uh, anywhere from what I call a 30% rule to a 75% rule. And what that means is, <clears throat> let's let's just make it a 50% rule. What that means to me is 50% of the songs that I play in concert, I think that I can teach the audience to play. Because a song, a song played, on the, any song played on the ukulele does not have to be real complicated. It does not have to be real, real fast, uh, you know, to be played well. And so what I like to do with these with this 50% rule is just play something for the audience and I just tell them you know what you guys you guys can you guys can do this yeah that's great and I mean the thing is it, it has to do also with um, I mean a song doesn't have to be really fast or really complicated or super technical to sound amazing I mean a lot of it is uh, like how well you play it and so Somebody can learn a simple song, but a, a good player um, really just brings out the most in, in each note. And, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, there's going to be a quality to you playing it that would differ from me playing it. But right. the fact that I could even attempt to play it in the first place is encouraging. So that's nice, yeah. you know, because I don't really, you know, go watch Jake Shimabukuro or, you know, a lot of the popular young kids and stuff and feel like I could do much of any of what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I could try. But <laughs> I'm in, not alone here. <laughs> in high-quality instruments, any high-quality ukulele, 
I think about the worst thing you can do is just wail away on that instrument. <laughs> you um, mean like trying to go beyond your capabilities yeah, yeah, to yeah. play something yeah. super wild? Because, because you have to, especially if, especially if you're trying to show off the instrument, you have to, you have to choose music that permits the instrument and the music to breathe so that people can hear what's going on. Yeah. And when they hear that, ooh, you know what, that wasn't necessarily really complicated. And especially if they get the idea that because it's not complicated, they can do it. That's how ukulele grows. Right, and they're like, wow, that sounds really yeah. nice. And that's what we're, that's why we pick up the instrument, you know, to make that's good correct. sounds. Yeah, because I think, <clears throat> I think when, when you, when you go to a concert, and it's fine, uh, where a person just plays fast all the time. People really appreciate that. And, uh, and in that kind of scenario, concert scenario, people generally say, that guy's talented. When you go to a concert, especially if you're playing like a high quality uke, and you just, you just kind of slow things down so that people have opportunity to hear the music and let the ukulele breathe on its own. Don't force your music into the ukulele. People say, that's beautiful. Yeah. And, the, and the difference between a person saying, that's beautiful, as opposed to a person saying, this guy's talented, is huge. And it's not a matter of good or bad. It's just a matter of what, what the person is able to appreciate from the instrument. So tell us more about um, the concerts that you do. You do concerts and clinics, but you, you always seem to be going somewhere. What what is what is it like going to um, a concert in a clinic? That uh, you is it always? I mean, are you taking Zanuck most of the time now? Or no, no, no. I Solo? generally I generally go by myself. Uh, <clears throat> uh, for for those in your audience who may not know, I am I am fully retired now, finally. And one of the things I really enjoy uh, about retirement is being independent uh, and having worked uh, for. Uh, in Uncle Sam's bureaucracy for a whole career, which was fine. Uh, I decided uh, after I retired that uh, I wanted to get back into music, but get back in a way that I could be independent. And ukulele, ukulele just fit that bill so wonderfully. Uh, because the only person I feel that I have to answer to uh, is the person in the workshop or the concert. That's all. I don't have any bosses. Um, and I enjoy the travel, uh, and you know I get invited a lot uh, to travel and do the concerts and workshops. So I, man, I I I think this is the way to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and people really appreciate it. I know I've heard from some feedback. It's like we were talking earlier about how you've been influencing the builders um, all around the world um, with different ideas, and and also helping them by promoting their instruments by just getting them and playing them and showing them to people but I mean you know beyond that it's like you've um, been able to help ukulele enthusiasts all over the world now um, learn to play better and to think about it a little bit differently but when somebody comes to your clinic or, or like do you have like worksheets or how you know what what should they expect out of that 
generally when I do any workshop, I try and find out from the people what it is they would like for me to address. Uh, the people putting it up? Yeah. Right. Find out from the people who are coming what, what they want oh, me to I address. See. Okay. Uh, and more, op- more often than not, people, people just tell me, oh, whatever you want, whatever you think we could use. Well, I don't know. Uh, I love to teach, uh, but I don't enjoy I don't enjoy just doing C, F, and G7 things all yeah, the time. Yeah, people can learn that from any yeah. other. Yeah, so I find, I find different ways to, 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 make, uh, to make things uh, interesting in these workshops. I love to do workshops with uh, uh, very experienced players or teachers uh, so that we can talk about not only ukulele technique, uh, but teaching, teaching technique as mm-hmm. well. Uh, and it's only been in the last year, year and a half, uh, that I've started uh, doing concerts that focus on a builder, one builder at a time, and and that's just going great. The builders love it. And you know, one one thing for uh, uh, the, those who are listening in on this to know is um, collaboration. Because you know, if you find a builder uh, and you really like that builder's work, every single builder I know is always open to ideas from the player. Mm. And it's one of the things that I I really love uh, is the collaboration uh, with these guys. So uh, you know, when a builder, uh, a first for me, a first time builder, uh, you know, if if he makes a uke that I really like, oh boy, then it's a long term. Friendship, because I'll, you know, I, I love to collaborate uh, and talk about things. And you've kind of put yourself in a position to be right at the hub of um, that by now becoming president of the Ukulele Guild of Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. How did that happen? <clears throat> Come ukulele, on, let's let's get let's, no. the ukulele <laughs> Tell guild. Tell us the inside scoop. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty easy. Uh, for years, about 15 years now, the Ukulele Guild has put on an annual exhibition uh, here in Hawaii, in Waikiki. And the gist of that exhibition was to display ukes. You know, builders would just bring their ukes and display them because one of the uh, supposed activities of the Guild is to teach people to build ukes. Well, <laughs> in the last eight or 10 years, the guild has been somewhat dormant. And uh, I must admit that uh, I was one of those that complained a lot. And you know, it's always easy to complain about something else. Hey, you guys should be doing this and this and this. And um, So now that you've taken over as president, it's like, well, <laughs> it's the, the, reason, the reason why I decided to, uh, to be their, uh, their, their president was that uh, you know af- after a while it's it's okay to stop complaining and get in there and do something yeah. because Good this organization is very unique yeah and the event which is going to be held in uh, November by the way in Waikiki at the Moana Surfrider the event do is, you have a date on that yet just in case yes uh, it's uh, uh, the November the 18th to the 20th it's the weekend okay. it's always the weekend before Thanksgiving. 
So for listeners out there, if you can make it down to the surf rider on that weekend, you're going to see a whole lot of amazing builders. Yeah, and it's, uh, I don't know of any other ukulele event of its kind in the world because what people get to see um, are amongst the best ukuleles that are being made. Uh, and it's not only people from Hawaii, we have people coming from the mainland. Uh, Jinsu Park is coming again from uh, Korea. Korea. So uh, with last year's event, <clears throat> I and some, some friends who wanted to breathe some life uh, into the guild started what we considered to be kind of like a, a, a four to five year plan to build this exhibition into a, into a really, really world premiere event. That's cool. uh, and that's where I want it to go. And it's going to be a really unique um, experience because you won't find all of these builders uh, with ukes um, at any other time that's in correct. any other place. It's and like you can come up to our shop and see some really nice <clears throat> ukes, but we're talking about, you know, the top high-end builders that it's like we don't have their ukes but for a day or two until mm -hmm. they're going off to some mm -hmm. you know lucky new owner so um yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a unique thing and i think it's it's really um something that anybody that's really serious about um quality ukes you know really in love with the instrument and passionate about um the different woods and the different builders and being able to like you know, hear and see as much as possible. Right. It's something that they would um, definitely try to make it over yeah. to the island for. Yeah, because it's, <clears throat> uh, people aren't ever uh, going to be able to, to have an experience like that at uh, the exhibition where, where they get to experience as many high quality instruments uh, as they will have there. Of course, unless they go to the ukulele site <laughs> well, like I was saying, even still, it's like we're not going to have, um, it, you know, it's hit and miss. But for yeah. the most part, it's miss on the on the really high end great builders because they just don't they don't last long. You know, right. we post them on the website and then they sell. And so I also want to tell uh, <clears throat> share with your listeners that uh, we we do have uh, the uh, the big producers in Hawaii coming like Kamaka. Ko'olau, Kanilea, nice. Ko'oloha, and even Imua. But we've told these people, do not bring like stock, 12, <laughs> you know, the same ukuleles to sell. That's not what our exhibition is all about. Right, right. We, are, we limit any one exhibitor uh, to four ukes at the most. Uh -huh. uh, and it's so that we can have variety. Yeah, and hopefully they show... Yeah. Something a little bit different in there too, yeah. from what you're going to. By the way, see. I think we're going to we're going to have probably about a hundred ukes on display nice. this year. Last year, it was like a little over forty. Is Kevin coming back with some canards? Yes, that'd be cool. What about Josh Reich? He's coming back. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, I like that uke we got from him last year. Ah, oh, I didn't know you got one. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. We <clears> did. It sold pretty fast too. Yeah. There's also a guy... Speaking of South Dakota, right? Isn't that where you... 
that's where I'm headed. Yeah, I think and that's where Josh is. Yeah, in fact, Josh is going to have a tenor for me to play in that concert. Oh, sweet. And Dan Ryerson is going to have a concert and a baritone. Uh, and the idea for the South Dakotans is, hey, uh, these uh, these ukes were, were made right here in your backyard in Sioux Falls. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, so it'll be, it'll be a fun back. time. Try to bring them back to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, and they're coming. Both Dan and uh, Josh are already signed up. Nice. Uh, to come back uh, to to the exhibition. Yeah, um, yeah, I, f I forget now. There was a couple other people that had had mentioned to me, Ukes that they might have. maybe it was Joji Konda and uh, there's been um, a few different builders I've been talking to about it. But um, we'll definitely be talking more about that event as yeah. it as it comes closer. Yeah, and also uh, I would I would love to share with your audience, especially anybody out there who's like a buyer. Uh, who has like maybe an, an, an ukulele store or just looking for ukuleles. This is, uh, this will be wonderful, wonderful opportunity uh, to see uh, quality instruments uh, from a lot of builders. Uh, and we're not Make gonna those have- connections. Any, that's correct. Yeah, I mean, um, that's, yeah, that's definitely gonna be a, a good thing for anybody that's trying to, you know, carry and promote these high-end builders is to to make it over there but um what about steve is steve gonna come grimes yes oh he's he's another awesome one yeah we have two coming from him i think uh, either tomorrow or next week you know who else is coming is uh, i met him for the first time at last year's exhibition dave ingles Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ono. Oh no, oh no. Yeah. yeah, we just got one of his too. Another yeah, one, yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, in fact, when, when we got his confirmation, he sent <clears throat> he sent uh, some videos, and I saw Kalei uh, uh, and mm -hmm. uh, Corey mm -hmm. uh, play his ukes. Man, they're 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 good ukes. Yeah, they're real good, and he's got a clean, simple style. And Dave is just an awesome guy. Mm. But y y you know, this is kind of going backwards for an interview, but. It's like I know you, but I don't. I don't really uh, know that much about your your past. Uh, maybe you can like share with us, like, um, you know, what what were you like as a youngster, and what uh, what brought you over to the ukulele? And yeah, uh, I think <clears throat> as as long as I can remember, I've always loved music, uh, and as a result of that, I've always loved ukulele. Because I started playing the ukulele when I was five, <laughs> nice. which is pretty common in Hawaii. Because yeah, yeah. Uh, you know the ukuleles um, still are in everybody's house and they're toys, um, and so it was easy to, <clears throat> uh, if you had, uh, uh, you know, if if that was combined with a love of music. So I always loved music, always loved ukulele. Um, and <clears throat> when I went off to college, uh, my major uh, was in choral conducting choirs because I dearly love choirs and church music. Wow, I had no idea. I was halfway through graduate school uh, and after I had gotten that degree I was going to come home and teach. But halfway through graduate school I ran out of money. <laughs> so, <laughs> which, is, which is easy to do because uh, there were times when I was way too careful not ever to let studying get in the way of my education. <laughs> so, um, so I went to work 
Uh, and in those days, if you were a male and left college for whatever reason, you were very ripe to get drafted. Uh, uh, and so because the Vietnam War was going then. Uh, and so I was, uh, I was in the process of being drafted, and I thought, ooh, this, this is not good, because I was headed for the jungles for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I made a decision that I would invest a few more years in the military uh, in exchange for uh, getting into something that I thought I would enjoy more than than trudging in the jungles, and that was uh, to get in the Air Force and learn to fly airplanes. So I did that, um, and once I started that, uh, the more I was in it, the more I liked it. So that turned into a, a profession. So you fly airplanes? Well, I used to. Okay. I retired. I retired from wow, the Air Force. Wow, that's really cool. <clears throat> yeah, and then so. Sounds exciting. Yeah, and uh, you know, when I retired, I wanted to get back into music. And at the time, the the worldwide ukulele renaissance was going, and so it was easy. It was very easy for me to embrace that. Uh, plus, like I said earlier, I was looking to be really independent, uh, and and that's how I got into doing what I do now with ukulele, and just just love it. I cannot imagine a better, more fun retirement. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's really cool. I had no idea that um, that you were in the Air Force like that. And um, during that time, were you playing? Uh, not very much. Uh, so it's something that, like, more like after you retired, you were like, "This is what I want to do." Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, there are, there are times in the in the Air Force. Uh, actually, in my adult career, I played more guitar. Oh, okay. uh, than ukulele. I didn't know that either. No, it was just after I got home and decided, whoa, I, uh, you know, this this ukulele renaissance thing is going, so I should do that. Well, then it was time to put the guitar away, uh, dust off the ukulele, and and do that. And today I'm still Never doing the same back. thing and loved it. <laughs> Very cool. So as, as far as... um. Uh, ways that we can keep in, in touch with you and, and what you're doing. Um, I know you have a YouTube channel. Um, is it, what, what, is there a, a website? I, I know you're on Facebook, but. Um, <clears throat> I'm, th I'm, I'm redoing uh, the website uh, because I would like, the, the website was done at a time when I guess it was somewhat fashionable to try and put everything on a website. Your complete history, uh, videos of everything and everywhere, everything. And that that's so cumbersome. Uh, because uh, because it's it's just it's just uh, virtually impossible to keep up with all of that communication. Right. Uh, and so I've done enough teaching and playing now. So uh, most of the contacts that I have with people uh, are are to invite me to go somewhere. Uh, but but more importantly, it's based on need, what they feel they need in order to promote ukulele. Uh, because it it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's teaching or playing or 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 doing videos or what. 
my favorite activity with regard to ukulele is promoting the instrument. Nice. Well, we really appreciate you, um, your outlook, your perspective, um, the way that you play is completely different than anybody else I know. And I think for a lot of people, they're just like scratching their head. Like, how can, how can I learn these awesome <laughs> jazzy chords and spice up my playing? And how can I do this right hand you technique know, that's got this, you know, just you know pulsing what? I, rhythm I to hear it. that. I hear that a lot. Uh, I bet you do. <laughs> style, style wise, uh, the the you know that uh, they enjoy my style, which is, I get, uh, it's referred to as chord melody. But the way I think of it is, never ever to have the melody without a corresponding harmony. But but the reason why I play that way is that's how I was taught. <laughs> Who taught you? Uh, I only had one teacher, and that was the guy who started me off when I was five, and that was, that was an uncle. But as I grew up in ukulele, <clears throat> guys like Nelson Waikiki and Eddie Bush, right. um, and, and you, were, you, were, you were young and, and maybe around when some of these guys were around, but, but that's the style they played in. And so that's the style that, that influenced me, and it just, it just blows my mind now that you know, people say, oh, how did you develop that? Well, pretty easy, that's how I learned. <laughs> no, but you do have your, I mean, your own take on it. Like Sure. For, for you, you definitely probably look back on your influences and see a lot of your playing in them. But you know, for us, it, and for what it's developed into, you definitely have a unique take on it. And, yeah. um, Anybody that's, you know, able to come check Kimo out, definitely, definitely go do that and uh, see what you can yeah, and learn I, to. I, I, love, I love to interface with people and, uh, and help them. So if, uh, if, if, if anyone uh, in your audience or anyone listening has any questions about ukulele that I can help, please ask me. I'm easy, I'm easy to find. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. That Certainly. kind of... Uh, brings me up to where we're going to put some ukes in your hands and oh, uh, take okay. a listen. Okay. All right. We better hurry before I forget. <laughs> Is this good? Uh-huh. Okay, in this position right here, if, uh, if, I say, if I say, okay, watch my left hand, will they be able to see it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Hello, I'm Kimo Hussey, and it's my distinct pleasure 
to share with you this wonderful ukulele. It's a tenor ukulele made by um, Eric Devine. Uh, and the first thing I'd like to do uh, is, is tell you that in my estimation, uh, when we're considering learning about an ukulele or considering uh, uh, purchasing an ukulele different than the one that we have right now, that we do so uh, uh, in, in considering three things. And those three things are looks, playability, and sound. Um, so what I would like to do uh, is, uh, is, first of all, to uh, just briefly uh, show you this uke. And let's take a look, first of all, from the standpoint of looks. Uh, it's a redwood top, uh, a redwood top. And as I rotate the ukulele, uh, you will see that the sides and the back are this beautiful, beautiful koa. Uh, it's got a, uh, a side port. Uh, here on top, and I love side ports. Why? Because they direct sound uh, uh, toward the player in the playing position, like this. The side port sits right here, and it's it's just it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing which I love having. Uh, and one of the things about looks and the core uh, that uh, he uses at uh, uh, is that this ukulele, uh, this ukulele has this beautiful, beautiful curl uh, in the core that looks like it just, it just looks like it's just tiny ridges or, or valleys uh, in the wood that really makes it beautiful. Uh, as I completely uh, come back around, uh, you notice that uh, on the fretboard there's some, um, some scroll work uh, here that uh, Eric has done. Again, the maker's name is Eric Devine. A very well-known maker, and one of the things uh, that makes him very well-known is the quality of his work. Speaking of quality, uh, look at his uh, his logo uh, up here. Just the composition uh, of that logo is just wonderful. The V in the middle stands for uh, uh, Vine. Divine um, is uh, is his name. One of the things that may be uh, a little bit difficult uh, for you to see is the binding uh, around here, but, uh, but you can see this white here that really, uh, really outlines and contains, uh, contains look-wise, looks-wise, the, the, the top part of the uke wonderfully. Okay, uh, let me talk. Uh, let me talk just a little bit about playability. Playability is one of those things where it's it's impossible uh, to share with you through a video because uh, uh, you you are unable to feel uh, what I'm feeling. But I can tell you what I really like about the playability of this ukulele. First of all, the strings are are laid out uh, so that they're uh, they're not uh, too high which would make it uncomfortable to finger chords, uh, as I'm doing here, and they're not too low, uh, so that you end up with buzzing. Uh, the other thing about this ukulele is that it has a radius fretboard. What is that? Well, first of all, it's something that I really love, ukuleles. A radius fretboard, if I can hold this thing this way a little bit, means that uh, the, the fretboard has a slight curve uh, to it like this that I am emphasizing and the thing the thing that I personally like about a radius fretboard is that it makes holding chords especially if you hold a lot of bar chords uh, like I do much much more comfortable and so 
when you add the, the, the proper uh, uh, height of the strings uh, above the fretboard, radius fretboard, the neck, uh, the neck is shaped uh, so that it's very, very comfortable. Uh, in my hands, what all that adds up to is wonderful playability. On any ukulele, when uh, when we're playing it, if uh, you know we're not fighting the ukulele just to play it, the music will come out much better. So good for you, Eric, uh, uh, in making an ukulele that looks just wonderful uh, and is and is uh, very very comfortable to play. Now let's talk about sound. Speaking of sound, listen to this. First of all, it's nice and clean and relevant to playability. That sound, if you hear, does not have any buzzes in it. It's also a reflection of wonderful, wonderful workmanship. If I were to pick one thing about this sound that I like the most, it would be blend. Uh, and blend, uh, as I um, uh, like it, uh, has to do with how well the four strings cooperate with each other uh, when, uh, when you either uh, play them all together or play two of them together or three of them together or even one string at a time. So speaking of sound, let me, let me play for you uh, some examples of different kinds of techniques in creating sound for the ukulele. Um, <clears throat> one way to create sound is to play a song where instead of strumming a lot, we play one string at a time. If I play this, a scale, it's one string at a time. Let me play a, a, a song or, or, or part of a song now where, where the technique is generally to play um, one string at a time. Sometimes we call that in an accompaniment, an arpeggio. Uh, but here comes a song, one string at a time. So that's kind of a one string at a time now. So let me play a song where, uh, where uh, the, 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 the emphasis, always combining melody and harmony, is basically strumming four strings. Uh, and so let's see what song. Let's do this song.
So in terms of the blend uh, that I was talking to, as, as, I, as I play a full chord, uh, you can hear the essence, the harmonic quality of the chord, and it's not, it's not, it doesn't sound muddled. And so on, on an ukulele that's well made, because of the playability, it becomes very, very easy to combine um, um, the melody with those chords. And the technique I'm using, by the way, which is just use thumb down, is just strumming down to the melody. No matter what string I'm playing on, I'm gonna have my thumb just strum down just to the melody, uh, because if I go beyond the melody, what I'm gonna get is too much harmony that may cover up the melody. So let me play that again, um, Ode to Joy again. So we've taken a look at single strings, and we've taken a look at playing uh, playing mostly full melodies and harmonies on uh, on the ukulele. Let me show you something else uh, uh, about this ukulele that I think is very very wonderful. I just want to play you like an, an introduction. I'll play that again. play that again for you once through and then I'm gonna keep the fingering on the left hand exactly the same but you're gonna hear a different sound and I want to tell you and, and I'll tell you how to do this but I also want to tell you that you can only do it on a quality you are that it comes out a lot better and smoother on a quality instrument okay here we go change. First one again. Second. You see, harmonically, both of those are the same. Well, what was the difference? Well, this first one, using four strings. On the second one, I'm just using three strings. Why am I able to do that? Principally in this ukulele because of blend. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm using four strings, three strings, or two. Uh, that I can I, I can get wonderful wonderful blend uh, just because of the way this ukulele is made and because of its characteristic sound. Um, if I play a song that's a little more uh, complicated and moves just a little bit quicker but has different chords in it, uh, for example, this.
So whether I play one string at a time for the whole song or a strum a lot or play two strings for um, harmonically or three, this ukulele always responds wonderfully in terms of the blend and harmony. Now, I want to mention one other thing with regard to that, and one of the ways... Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Okay, so it, it stopped, like, right around... Oh, I remember. It always does that. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, no problem. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Okay, one of the things I wanted to mention um, with regard to sound on this ukulele is this sound different from this sound, which is very different from this sound, which is very different from this sound. And as you can see, it's all a matter of positioning um, on, uh, on, on, on pos positioning of your right hand where you pluck the strings. My personal preference uh, is to pluck here. I am told that this is called uh, the tongue of the ukulele. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, which is basically where uh, where the the neck meets the body uh, between that and uh, and the sound hole is my is my favorite is my favorite sweet spot because I think that's where you get the sweetest sound. I want to do one other thing for you, uh, and that is. I want to play a part of a song for you that's very, very simple. Um, and a lot of the harmonies are just going to be two strings. And the reason why I want to play that uh, for you is to see how a high-quality uke responds to that and keeps the music very tight and intact. Here comes the song, is Danny Boy, or a part of it. basically two strings at a time. And on and on and on. So, so what are we talking about in terms of an ukulele like this sound-wise? And the answer is versatility. This ukulele, this ukulele will respond to anything you ask it to do. And if you ask it to be, uh, if you ask it to uh, uh, be played or or play in a manner that's too stressful uh, to the ukulele, it'll do that too. Uh, but when you ask it to be sweet and enjoy the things like the dynamic range of this ukulele. site where you can get more information about ukes as wonderful as this one thank you so much all right thank you so much chemo <laughs> you're sure welcome that was beautiful like always um we had wanted to record you know more of the ukuleles that we have right now but um time constraints and um we have you know many more episodes in the future yeah 
and you're here on the island, so maybe. And, uh, yeah, and one of the things about Okula is we'll n- never ever run out of material, yeah. good fun material. It's true. I and would like I would like to tell your people though that uh, I th- I think uh, sessions like this are much better uh, when you, as a producer uh, of these, um, if if you are able to get feedback from right. people. Exactly. Thank you for mentioning that. So. Um, here um, at iTunes on the podcast, you can ask questions, and right. you know we can address those in future podcasts, or um, you know be able to get a hold of you directly. And then also from the ukulele review dot com, um, our blog, we're gonna have uh, each of these podcasts outlined sure. in an article, and we'll Got be it. able to get some feedback from there. And um, you know. If there's things that you guys want us to ask Kimo, um, let me know because we will have him on again. And, you know, he's definitely one of our greatest resources to be able to help the worldwide ukulele community. And so let us know. Um, and that way we can address it next time we have Kimo over. Absolutely. We'd also love to know what uh, what your audience would like to know if there was something that, we, you know, we didn't address. Yeah. So if you have a question about, you know, a one of you know the instrument he was just playing or something that was said that you wanted to expand it on um anything like that chemo's just a super nice guy you know one of the best well thanks mahalo plenty and you're welcome brother um hope to see you soon have safe travels and let yeah, us know thanks. how it thanks. goes when you get back okay all right guys so that's another episode of Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Next week, we're going to be featuring uh, ukulele setups, and Joel's going to be kind of um, hosting that session. And we're going to have Chris and Eli that are full-time setup techs in our department there going over different setup techniques and issues and common questions and all those kind of things. So uh, kind of getting away from sound sampling and talking about... um, you know tonal differences and stuff like that for a little bit and that'll be real interesting so make sure you subscribe and uh mahalo and aloha